0: Hi, everybody. This is Eric Estrada, and you're listening to Col Shack's Loop.
1: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Coal Shack's Loop. I'm trying to clear out the back catalog of episodes we have there. This was recorded late last year with Rodney Barnes and, of course, with Rodney... If you miss a second of anything, if this if this podcast has been two days late, you'd already miss stuff. So since then, his uh, Lakers drama has got a name. He's came out with a new thing, you know, talked about a new thing with Snoop Dogg. It's been sort of revealed. Before we get into that, I want to let you know that there is today is the last day for the Coleshack Kickstarter. If you don't back it today, you may miss out. So be sure, I mean, you're, you're going to be stuck with whatever books they have left, if they have any left. So be sure to back that today if you have not, because... I don't want anybody to miss out on that, so be sure to do that. So, the the Rodney projects, Nita Hall's Nightmare Blog number four has come out. He's got his Substack rolling. Go check out stuff over there. Winning Time is the name of his LA Lakers drama. The the Snoop Dogg book has been revealed. I think has been hinted at on the show. Tales from the Crip. Yeah, yeah, great wordplay there. But a lot of stuff going on in the world, Rodney. Of course, he did, he is a writer on the Colshack uh, 50th anniversary. Graphic novel. So he's going to be in that writing a zombie story. We talk a little bit about that. We talk about some. This is just really a catch all. It was sort of a. We, we had a plan. Uh, the plans fell through, as they sometimes do. And we sort of winged it. And uh, you're going to hear some talk about the 89 Batman movie. We're going to talk a little bit about like some comics. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about Cole Shack, And we're going to talk uh, even a little bit about wrestling. I don't know if any of you knew, but Rodney actually went to be a wrestler. He's a rather tall drink of water, so he went to be a wrestler. Actually, wrestled at the power plant in Georgia. I'll let him tell you about that. Grew up on some uh, NWA growing up mid south stuff like that. Just just a bunch of cool stuff from Rodney. Sorry if there's not as much coal shack as usual. That's my fault, as Robert will so aptly point out in here. But just know that hey, we're in the works with a lot of stuff. A coal shack convention. I know it's been oft rumored, but it really seems like it's picking up steam here. Been in contact with Eric Estrada, and I'll, I'll play a little short snippet of an interview I got with him uh recently. Got with him though, and he and he seems on board for a Coltshack convention. And th- there's actually some other people who have ran conventions who have reached out and said they want to do one. So who knows where this could go? Um, it could all fall through, or it could go to the moon. I really don't know but hey guys if you really want this to happen just the, the thing you can do most is to show your support online show your support for the page i also want to give a shout out to our very first patreon member we actually have a patreon member something i didn't know if i would ever thought would happen but matt but matt wiseman thank you so much matt wiseman for being a patron we'll, uh, we're going to reach out to you man give you a shout out on the pod thank you for that our, our one and only patron And if you want some, uh, I'm going to try to put some exclusive content up there. We're working on a website, KolshakSloop.com. It should be up by February 12th or 13th or so, by Valentine's Day at least. So there's that. Be on the lookout for KolshakSloop.com. I want it to be the one-stop shop for anything Kolshak. Really, we want to put the old ads up there, to put the TV guide stuff up there that we get um, I, I just want to put our notes up there, you know, Cole's Place stuff, INS office stuff, just just whatever we can think of to put there, whatever we would need, whatever Cole's family wants. So if you want anything, reach out to me, gmail, uh, at gmail.com if you want that. If you want to learn about more, hear more about the convention, give your ideas, at gmail.com. You know where to find us, at colechecksloop on Twitter. So, you know, I've rambled on long enough, so without further ado, here is the illustrious Rodney Barnes, what more is there to say?
2: After my enlightening conversation with the beautiful Helen Surtees, I ran a check through tax records and business licenses. The Max Match Dating Service was almost brand spanking new. No one knew where it came from or what other branches it had. It seemed to me that such mysterious origins warranted what we in the press call the Midnight Interview.
1: Yeah. With the Neil Adams covers? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Neil, I love the Neil Adams covers. I was looking at the... I'm thinking about starting a Dark Shadows podcast. And Dark Shadows is like... what? Uh-oh. Twelve hundred episodes. But I was looking at, at cover art, and I thought about doing something sort of like the Tomb of Dracula because it sort of had that that background. I don't know. I've been in a. I don't. Uh, do you ever have you ever heard of Magic: The Gathering, the the card game? I have. So they they recently did a set. I don't know if you can see these. They did this cool like Dracula set, and it's got some amazing artwork. And I think Jason did one of them too. No way. Which one? I'm gonna have to get him to sign it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I've I've seen them before. What I would do with it though, that'd be legit though. <laughs> I already already bought that Virgin cover in Anita Hall's Nightmare Blog. It looked awesome. Thank you. And I think he signed it with a red pen, so it looks looks nice.
0: He's been selling a lot of uh, that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just have to get you. I just have to get you to sign it somehow. Oh, you got to do. We'll be
0: in the same proximity.
1: I'll sign it. Oh, well, you you think we will eventually? You never know. I don't know if you ever come to Atlanta. I'll, I'll meet you in Atlanta. in the been to Dragon Con? Oh, have you? I've been to Dragon Con. I might have just not seen your... I've only been twice, though, and it's been the past... I only went
0: once for American Gods. That was four years ago. Time flies.
1: It does, man. Let's see. I'll guess mine... I probably went three years ago, so I think I missed you. Join It'll be them. a big
0: deal one day, and they'll... Uh... They'll
1: invite me back. Hey, you know what I don't understand? So I was checking out the uh you know, I was reading your new uh James Bond series, which is amazing, by the way. But I was reading it and in the back of the of the magazine they have this this cut they have this little promo and it's like your favorite creators, your favorite characters, and it's got like Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino and it lists like twenty five names probably. And and you're not on this list. I am not on that list. What the hell? What the hell, Dynamite? Hey, man.
0: I guess I'm still a rookie. One day they'll appreciate
1: me. Well, but, I, I don't know. One day. One day. Come on, Dynamite. Get on that if you're listening. I don't know who on the, who in the hell from Dynamite is listening to this. Hey, for that one person from Dynamite who's listening to this, get on that. Come on. We need Rodney on the in the back. I mean, that's a slap in the face. Come on, man.
0: Slap in the face. Uh-uh. All that work they got me doing.
1: Yeah, y'all are slave drivers. Two, two series. Uh, are you only doing two for Dynamite?
0: I'm doing one new one now, too. They haven't announced it yet, but did Army of Darkness, did James Bond, and now another.
1: Yeah, I'm, so I, I I, don't know. I like to – I get too – if I read week to week, I get too anxious to read the next book. So you saw my stack today. I went, I went and I'm like – I went ahead and picked up some magic cards. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and – I'm just going to get a huge stack, just clear my box out. And I, I read – I spent a, probably a few hours a day just catching up on – I think I read the first three of Army of Darkness, the first two of uh, – I know, and, and the cool thing, so I, I've been out of comics for a little bit, as I've told you, but like you have got me sort of back into comics. So I'll go and I'll look yeah. at the I'll get I'll look at the wall. And uh, like today I saw Long Halloween, Jeff Loeb Him Sales. I love the original and they did a special mm-hmm. uh, special comic. So I thought that was awesome. I picked that up.
0: Jeff was in the store signing it when I was there. Really? Oh. That would have been cool. That would have been something awesome to have. He was my boss when I did Runaway. Yeah, he was. Ronan, I remember that. Yeah. The TV show.
2: Hi, Rodney.
1: What's going on?
2: Man, I just woke up from the best nap ever. Really? I'm going to go to bed look, after this. Thank you for doing this, Rodney. Yeah, Rodney You're said. You're very
1: welcome. Yeah, just, I've been talking to Rodney a little bit uh, a little bit before you got on, and uh, me and him were talking, and he said he hasn't really been up to a whole lot. He's actually been not busy at all.
2: Exactly. What? That's a lie. Exactly. Absolutely a lie.
1: Well, uh, Rodney, I'm sure uh, you know all the pleasantries. Good to have you back. Uh, I know you've been busy, good to be wor- here. working hard, uh, putting out content for us. Uh,
0: so Doing my best.
1: Yeah, we we talked to. Let's dive right into this. What are you drinking tonight, Rodney? You got any good? Anything good? Just tea.
0: Nothing. Nothing.
1: Nothing interesting. Just tell you, I got a little bit of eggnog. I don't know. Yeah, see? See, I love eggnog. I put a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of uh, fireball in there and a little bit of cream vodka. A little bit of Mm. cinnamon on top, you know?
2: That's not really eggnog. Yeah, that's like
0: a drink. (laughs) Yeah, that's a daiquiri. (laughs) That's That's a egg daiquiri.
2: I mean, if I knew you were just gonna talk about what you're drinking, I could have said I'm doing the hard stuff, a little H2O. But you know. uh,
1: yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta hydrate there. Man, let's dive right in. One thing, one of my favorite books I've been reading, uh, Nita Hall's about Nightmare Blog. Man, it's uh, that first issue, probably the scariest book you've did, man. Uh, and we'll get into Shack here in a little bit. But man, tell me about some of your inspiration from it. Uh, where you got it?
0: Another one of those long time interest. Uh, there's a book by William Peter Blatty called legion it's uh i guess unofficially yeah. the um sequel to the exorcist um, that i'm aware of and i like the idea of if a demon truly possessed someone it seems like if demons hate human beings because god loves us they would kill people you know what's the what's the boundary to stop you from being a killer and um especially if they have a host and they're influencing their host. So I just took that sort of blended um, a bunch of things and ideas that I've always embraced over the years. Um, you know, a little bit of coal shack, a um, little bit of um, X-Files. I still like that gritty idea of a city and um, just mixed them all together. And there you go.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, talking about X Files and all that, this really is like a it takes the blog, like something it sort of puts it in modern day uh mm-hmm. I mean it brings it to a modern day setting. And Nita Hall seems like a really interesting character just from the very first issue. I mean, she's a T a uh instructor at Morgan's uh let's see, was it Morgan State University? Morgan State. Morgan which, State University, uh, yes. Of course has ties to you, uh, from Baltimore, correct? And uh, uh-huh. it's some of it, like you, you look like I remember I saw the ad for Ghost Dusters, uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was even the logo. Was, it was pretty funny. I, yes, uh, but I don't know. It's just, a, it's just a good book, and it seems like she's a compelling, she's a compelling character that I want to know more about and her. Her, of course, linked to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, we find that mm-hmm. out in the first thing, so it, it ties it all in together. And uh, have you seen uh, Midnight Mass?
0: I have not Uh shout out to Adam Pasulo, a friend of mine who one wanted producers on it. Uh, I'm going to, it's teed up as soon as I get time and I'm on a plane for an extended amount of time. I'm going to watch the whole thing.
1: Midnight Mass is amazing. I loved it. And it, I don't want to, do you know anything about it, Rodney? Or are you, are you, I don't want to ruin anything.
2: I've seen, yeah, you, you better not spoil it, man.
1: Just the opening thing.
0: And that's it. I haven't seen it at all i know
2: nothing here here, here's the amazing thing about it is that there was a a movie midnight mass that was done Mm -hmm. and what was it 96 maybe or maybe it was even more like 2006 i can't remember exactly i remember Um, the name yeah and and you know there's that movie and then you have this new thing that is a series of you know uh tv episodes and um yeah i think what what this person has done because it's the same writer as far as i know um, from the movie to this new series that he's developed and um yeah i mean to expand that idea of what they did and the characters that are involved in the movie and now what you see in the tv show uh it's really pretty pretty creative i would have to say did you ever check out the the movie bradley
1: i haven't i have not seen the midnight mass movie i didn't even know that was a movie
2: yeah i did i did a monster deep dive on that show really Um, yeah oh that hit the i think you're the one that told me about it yeah and then uh that that hit the old preacher's son vibe on me heavy um you know it's, it's roman catholic but you know i was an acolyte um i rang the bells i sang in the choir uh, and not even with my dad coming to church all the time because he was always preaching somewhere else. But um, and then seeing all those those things, boy, I was really something else.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, because but that sort of gave me the uh, I don't know the the Rodney Rodney really walks the line there, and he's like, you know, what if. If there are angel, or uh, I think, who was it who asked it uh, in the classroom, the the sort of student? One of
0: the students was asking a, a debate. It was actually a question that I asked when I was in college, um, asked that very question. And um, I didn't get that response, but I did <laughs> ask that question.
1: Yeah, it was pretty much, I think the question was along the lines of, you know, if God knew that angels were going to be bad, why would he create them? or You know, something yeah, along those yeah, yeah. lines. Yeah. And, and so, and I think what the show does, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but it really walks the line of, uh, um, just you you get the idea. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go any further. I'm, I want to elaborate on that. Just well, it, it's
2: yeah, about. it's it's just it, any show that's good, you know, tends to examine these sort of universal truths. And one of the biggest universal truths about religion is free will or not. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it it goes into that and, you know, all kinds of other stuff. Um, but Rodney, I remember when we had you on, uh, the first time and we talked about Kolchak and you had said that there were ideas that you already had in your head, pretty much about the way you'd love to take Kolchak in a story, Mm -hmm. um, yourself. And, and now that opportunity, as we're getting a lot of um, as far as I'm concerned, Facebook chatter from James Aquilon. Now, as we're realizing, that's the way. I'm glad his name.
0: you pronounced his last name.
2: He he did it for us. We just interviewed him a couple nights ago. Well,
0: fantastic! There you go. Yes, yeah.
2: But uh, we understand that you're a big part of that um, new um, graphic novel that he's doing, or a collection of graphic novels. So tell yeah. tell us a little bit about that, man. I mean, you know, we're we're just. <laughs> <laughs> Just blown away and amazed. It's like Rodney's doing Shack finally. Holy I, crap.
0: I am. I hope it's the beginning of more Shack to come. Um, you know, they were kind enough to reach out to me and ask me if I'd like to be a part of the project. Happy to to start, you know, breaking my Shack cherry for lack of a better term. And um, <laughs> love the character. Glad to be a part of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, We we got to talk to James about it. And, you know, and then he launched this other part of it or the, the partners that he has launched this other part, which was to allow essentially a prose contest. Um, And and that's got, you know, like I think I may actually write a story from start to finish for once in my life and turn (laughs) it in. I mean, I can't believe it. And this is the the part that I know that I knew this about myself, but I wondered for you who has written so much, what, what goes along with you when you get into sort of research mode about your character um, setting emotions, whatever it's going to be. I mean, we, of course we've got Philadelphia and what you did with Adams and, mm-hmm. but, but, but I've just found thinking now what I'm doing about my Shack story and doing the research. And it's almost like I'm, I'm finding out that I'm reading at least 20 pages of information for essentially one line that I want to put yeah. into the story.
0: I try not to go that deep into it as far as um, I usually do a general thing, like with the Lakers, um, with the Lakers TV show I'm doing at HBO. Um, I probably read about 10, maybe 15 books and a bunch of articles Um there are other folks that read more. Um, there's a there's a there's a middle ground that I try to strike of research, mm-hmm. and then using my own, uh, call it empathy or connection to the character, to try to create. If I just go with facts, um, that's like a documentary. Right. And right. I feel like I have to find something that I relate to in the character or a story that I'm telling to give it that emotional stuff to make it real. Um, because facts will only take you so far. It's like you said, you can read 20 pages for one line. Um, and more often than not, I don't know if I got it from Stephen King or who, but he said sometimes, you know, research can be um, like quicksand. Um, you know, you can get stuck in so doing so much research that you're not working on the thing you're actually doing research for. It's a job in and of itself. So, you know, whether I ask Carlos to, you know, find out X, Y, Z for me, um, or I do it myself, I try not to go too, too deeply into it, because I'm not really dealing with reality here anyway, like in Philadelphia. I wanted the facts on Adams, I wanted a profile, I wanted the born, you know. Died, you know, that the those two tent poles. Um, yeah, what kind of president was he? What was his marriage like? What the kids, the this, the that. But you know, there's a mini series that's been done, it's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of things that I probably could have gone into, right? That uh, I was happy with basically the facts.
2: That's that's really cool, Bradley. I'm gonna go, go back to you, but um, I'm thinking, you know, I um. Uh, tease you with this little thing about how my bald head made me feel like I looked like your Adams character a little bit in Philadelphia, you know, and if you needed a screen test, you know, fine. But <laughs> then, you know, immediately I started right after I was like, you idiot, what about Giamatti? I mean, come on, he played Adams in, you know, the, that miniseries and that was an amazing miniseries. I, I did enjoy that quite a bit.
0: Well, we've got two actors cast and attached to the show so i can't say which ones but, yeah you know going out for the rest now so you never know <laughs> and, just, and let
1: never know when, know. just let me know and just let me know and i'll get on plane i'll fly out there to record my bits for a victim number three
0: Fanta, uh, you got I'll, it you i'll got get out it. there you're gonna have to be naked in an alley but hey if you're a trooper god bless you oh well in
2: philadelphia so no, <laughs> oh, that's a little bit less your safety either <laughs> Sounds yeah. kind of exciting, man. <laughs> That's a, that sounds like a good time. Yeah, as weird put, as I it, am, put so. it
0: out there early. Just put it <laughs> out there early. This is what you're gonna have to deal with.
1: So. Okay, well, um, I'll take that under advisement. Uh, you know, you talked about writing characters. Me and my wife the other night. She'd never seen Army of Darkness, and she'd actually never seen any of the Evil Dead movies. So we sort of been working through it. And I've never seen the Ash versus Evil Dead, and I know that's something I need to—that's something I need to correct. I know, I know.
2: It's okay. It's just what you're waiting for, man. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so but I was re- re-watching Army of Darkness, and I was like, man, you know, I was. Then I read your comment. I'm like, you know, Rodney really captures the voice of. Uh, I don't know. You, feel, I feel like you capture Ash pretty well. Like even uh, one of the lines I wrote here that I thought was uh, interesting enough was the asphalt is horrible for the skin. I I don't know. That was just seemed like a very one-off quip that he'd throw out there. I don't know. How do you, so you talked a little bit about that. So for Ash, how did you, how do you go about like, Hey, let me just, I mean, did you just say, Hey, I'm going to rewatch the movies and I'll go with that. Or did you watch any of the series or.
0: Uh, Yeah. I watched the first movie and. You know, I read a couple of the books. I wanted to see how other people did the book uh, tonally. And. I came to the conclusion that I still don't know what it's about, um, but I know the rules yeah. about the, the book and him and the tone. And it's like, if I could capture that, if I could um, capture the tone and the rhythm, kind of like what I try to do with Lando for the Star Wars books. Yeah, yeah. Um, similar, you know, similar, um, similar plan, similar thought pattern you
1: know yeah and robert had made a mention of it i guess in in one of the comments under one of your posts it has a warrior sort of feel to it uh yeah it is
0: um that's purposeful i actually when i pitched it it was um it was exactly that it was uh the warriors ash meets the warriors you know, but not literally, because you get sued if it's literally the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got to make my own kind of gangs in there in New York. And which are do a thing? Yeah. Which do, exactly. do any
2: of them? Do any of them look like they could have been in the musical Godspell?
0: Uh, probably. Yeah. By the end, you yeah.
2: yeah <laughs> the Furies is yeah. oh, a God. really
0: silly one that's going to piss people off. I think issue four might be the silliest uh, oh, of all of them. The so issue. Piss
2: so
1: issue three. Um, I, I can I could, should I spoil this or no, Rodney? I don't know. It's one of the, uh,
0: it's army of darkness. How can you spoil it? <laughs>
1: but so it there's, doesn't
0: really have a plot. Per
1: there's part. a, it's
2: just a lot of action. There's man. a clan, it's a lot of action and jokes. There's I'm a clan, sugar,
1: baby, uh, called the, the Mistress Brady's.
2: Yes. Yes. So, so you said
0: Marcia, there's, Marcia, Marcia. yeah. So, yeah.
1: There's cra- so there's one crate. So there's one sillier than that.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please.
1: That's nothing. Oh, man. That's that, nothing.
0: They're gangs, man. They influence my television, like kids today, like video games. Uh,
1: I don't know. Yeah, it was. I don't know why that that got to me. Uh, yeah. Is
2: is Ronnie? Is this one from your Zombie Love group, or who who put, who's putting this one out? Dynamite.
0: Of which one? Of uh, your, Army of Darkness.
2: Uh, yeah, Army of Darkness one.
0: That's Dynamite. Dynamite okay. is doing James Bond and um, Army of Darkness two radically different books yes Mm -hmm. radically different tones of storytelling but yeah
2: yeah do do the the people who you interact with at the various um what we're gonna call them comics um do you ever feel like you're being pulled apart by these guys that, that 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 you know they they this group wants something from you this other group wants something from you and or i mean it's all it all seems kind of self-inflicted to the extent that you just keep coming up with material and and you have the creative output to go into these these other genres
0: i mean i'm i feel fortunate for me it's all the exercise and story um Mm -hmm. being able to tell different types of stories um and i've been fortunate in that regard that um You know, like I just said about James Bond and Army of Darkness are both wildly different from Philadelphia and Nita. I'm looking at my board right now and I was writing the IG-88 one shot for uh, Ward of Bounty Hunters at the same time. So it's like all of these radically different, you know, stories, they just kind of, to me, make me stronger as a storyteller, make me exercise parts of my brain. Sometimes I'm uncomfortable with Um. You know, if you left it up to me, everything would be Philadelphia. But I know that (laughs) at a certain point, you know, you got to do something different. You got to, the challenge of doing something different is there. And um, so, yeah, there's that.
2: Yeah, I got to admit, um, I mean, Philadelphia hit me pretty hard. And going into the second. Um I don't know what you call it. what's the, the the story arc composite well yeah the yeah. you know the the, the second you know, volume book that came out volume that came mm-hmm. out um it, there's a point where it just it just hit me and I kind of had to put it down for a while it was just so intense and I mean it really and, and it was and that wasn't just the pictures and uh, the, you know, the, the graphic nature of, of all those things. It really was just the story and everything else. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to it again. And uh, one night I had this like super sleepless night and I was just wired, man. I don't know what it was probably because I fell asleep on the couch and tried to go to bed and couldn't just couldn't really sleep. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to pull out Rodney here and let's see if I can get into a little kill. I got, I got maybe two pages a it it just scared the crap out of me. I was like, nope, nope, no, nope, I'm not Apologies. doing it tonight. I'm not Apologies. doing, it. no, it was, it was just that powerful. It was well, just that thank powerful. You. It was great.
0: Uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry to scare you away. I mean, the, the thing for me is with Philadelphia, I tell Jason this all the time. Um, I always try to find a human theme, something that uh, guilt, anger, you know, regret, remorse, something. Um, and I try to tell a story about that. And I try to usually do two and a half, A story, a B story, and maybe a C runner, But they all kind of connect under the guise of that one theme. And um, Josie, or even Adams and Abigail, um, you know, everybody's sort of got some um, some stakes, mm-hmm. for pun intended.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And by the end of that third story arc, or I won't spoil anything, Robert, I won't spoil anything, but Mm -hmm. it gets real messy and it gets, Oh man, there's a lot that happens at the end of that third story arc where you're just like, where the hell does he go from here? And I know you've talked before that you had possibly a five story arcs that you had thought up. Have you expanded from there or have you,
0: you kind of, I mean, I think this fourth one will be so different than one through three, um, a lot more violent. Um,
1: I don't see how that can happen, but hey. Yeah,
0: it's a lot more. You're in the midst of a war right now, a war in the streets, and the only thing that kind of slows it down is the sun rising. Um, but there's going to be – there's a big thing that happens in, I guess, Philadelphia 19, and it sort of changes the course of direction. It's like now we got werewolves now. We have yeah. – um, different players. We have witchcraft. We have a lot of different um, elements to the book that we haven't had before, and you know the biggest issue that I have is balancing it out so that everybody gets some story. So that you know you just don't have werewolves doing werewolf stuff. They actually have a purpose other than just being um, the most powerful entities, I guess, in the war. Um, so always giving them some semblance of uh, every.
1: Body meaning some purpose,
0: something. Um, that's the hard part when you're working now with like ten characters.
1: Yeah. So, but but even now you've expanded it so much. You know, we've talked about Nita Hall's Nightmare Blog, Elysium Gardens, yeah. which brought brought in the werewolves, and probably uh, my favorite book that I've read that you've done, uh, which is exclusively on your Substack, uh, Johnny Gatlin. Oh, thank you, man, thank you. Johnny Gatlin. That first issue, it wasn't even like there was a lot. Like there was a, a lot that I mean, it was just like a little like sort of like a you ever been somewhere like you go to the you go somewhere and you get that appetizer and you just take a little nibble off that appetizer. And you're Like, man, I, I know this is going to be amazing, uh, but I just can't wait for the other food to get here, you know.
0: Well, it's dangerous. Those appetizers, they can be very filling. they can yeah. be as, you know, a thousand calories or so if you go to Chili's or Cheesecake. <laughs> um, part in hell where uh, two gun kids. Uh, is there and he's sort of a gunslinger in hell and always had had a lot more story for that character in that situation um, so I was like you know why not bring it over here and uh, since I deal with hell and I deal with all of these different realms and um, you know Johnny's got a story um, he's got a big mission right off the bat That's 10 pages so I have to cram a lot into those 10 pages to keep it uh, interesting um, but yeah, I dig Johnny too. I'm glad you do as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, this is not even just like a plug for, sub, for for Rodney Stubstack, even though it sort of is. But like, it's just cool getting an email, like out of the blue. Like, you never know when you're going to get them. You'll just get an email that, hey, <laughs> Rodney's publishing a new comic. And you don't, I mean, I love going to comic shops. Do not get me wrong. But sometimes in the week, it's like, I don't have time to in, enough time in the week to go to the comic shop and get my books and come back and then sit down. It's just sort of fun. Like I'm on the toilet or something and I get an email. I was like, well, I'll just start right here. Not, not say, not saying anything indicative of, right. of what you it's write, right. but Hey,
0: wherever you read, I want you to, um, to enjoy that reading. Um, yeah. I've got another book, uh, another sub stack. I guess this will be the third one because um, Elysium gardens is there. Johnny Gatlin's there. 20 degrees past rigor is the um, zombie Philadelphia mm. a zombie story set in the Philadelphia world, but it's set in Flint, Michigan. Um, oh, yeah. Some zombies doing zombie stuff. Um, a little different than what you've seen zombies be in the past. I always try to switch up. I try to play with the genre a little bit to where I'm not just doing your traditional thing. There's always got to be something that's different. And um, I think you'll see that pretty quickly. And then there's one more book that has nothing to do with Philadelphia. Um, the Butcher of Black Bottom. It's sort of, um, if seven met from hell, uh, Alan oh, Moore's wow. from hell, a yeah. set in the 1920s in uh, the Black Bottom section of Detroit. It's a, um, it's a serial killer story. And i uh, pretty proud of it as well. So all of these things will be coming through Substack over the course of the next 4 months, 3 months, 2 months.
1: Yeah, and I think like you can you can join Rodney Substack for like 7 bucks a month at the the lowest. 7 bucks a month
0: is uh there two tiers, three tiers I think. There's 7 bucks a month and then there's $75 annually and then I think there's a founders one, $175 or something, but um, that's really only my family has done the $175 ones. Hey, so they so don't really count. <laughs> they don't read comic books anyway.
1: The the founders one, what all does that, uh, it said some exclusive prints and stuff. What all do you yeah, get? With that?
0: You get variants, you get signed variants, you get stuff that you can't get any place else. So that's physically uh, mailed to you though. Office. Is that right? Yeah. I physically mailed that to you.
1: So, yeah. Hey, if you want to go in for a founders i think that you know i
0: would do it if i was a kid and neil adams had a substack i would sign up for neil adams substack because, because you
1: are the, the i mean rodney is the neil adams of today's generation i'd say see
0: there we go uh, See, now we've just i don't know you said that that, wasn't it. like like yeah. that was like those bars that came out of your mouth yeah.
1: that came out of your mouth rodney did it not i was i said
0: if <laughs> this was 1976 77 someplace around and i was a wee child that had a computer um, because it might, would well, be huge if uh, the way computers were in the <laughs> movies those days, it would take up a whole room and I'd be a really wealthy kid, which I wasn't. But I saw that Neil Adams had a sub I would say, you know what? I'm going to push this button because I love Neil Adams. And I'd find $7 because I'm a rich kid with a lot of computers. But uh <laughs> That wasn't
1: what happened. No, but but yeah, you, I mean, you said it yourself, though. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a good, great opportunity, and uh, and Rodney, you know, you say you're not the the, the Neil Adams of today, and, and maybe that's a moniker that uh, I saddled you with that maybe uh, you don't feel like you can live up to. Other people may feel like, but that's has, a lot. Do you that's ever get? Do you ever get tired? Like I see, rev- I've been, I read the reviews of the comics, and I've even read the ones that you don't post. And do you ever get tired? Of like. Oh, 9.8, 10 out of 10. Do you ever get tired of people just oh, loving no. your work? I mean, yeah, is it just like, no. I, do you, have you ever thought, man, I just want to drop a stinker one time, like just see what people say. No,
0: I, hey, there have been some that have been had some aroma. Um, <laughs> everything's not, you know, uh, 10, 9.8 or 10. Um, I think because I respect the medium so much, and I'm still honored that people want to read what I write, Um I haven't gotten to that place yet, you know, and I don't think I ever will because it's still an honor to be talking about comic books, being a part of the world, being a part of this community. So you never get tired of it. Um, It's a grind. You know, it's not something that's easy. I understand a little bit more about it now, uh, being in it, but um, it's very rewarding. And um, so no, no, I don't get tired of it.
2: What speaking of not getting tired about things, what and, and I'm, I'm on this research mode in in my head, and possibly mm-hmm. because I've gotten uh, Jay Gordon Melton's um, almanac that he wrote about the history of vampires. But what's something about your writing and reading about and experiencing these stories that you're making about vampires that has um, surprised you about those characters? And you thought, that for whatever reason, uh, it gave you a surprise. Has it, it, any of that settled in with you? I, I've got one that hit me. If you, you can't think of anything right oh, now,
0: yeah. you tell me yours. Well, it no. just—it
2: just—it in in reading now, and um, really realistically reading every word and understanding and following Dracula now for really the first time after I re- read it years ago, um, and then seeing um, the old Dracula, seeing the Johnny, the Johnny, not Johnny Depp, seeing the um, Christopher Lee. uh, Yeah. No, the, the, the 92, the, 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 yeah. Well, and, and, and Gary, uh, Gary Olman, yeah. Yeah. Gary Olman seeing all those guys in my head, I never thought any vampire could withstand sunlight. Where these guys in these stories, it's more that they just can't, they're, they're weakened by it, but Mm -hmm. they aren't turning into flames. And and I don't know where that, that, that usage all of a sudden happened along the way that sunlight was what was really going to make them turn into ash. But, but I've seen now in other vampire stories that are coming out, they're, they're going back to that same idea that sunlight just weakens them and it does not necessarily kill them. Not makes them vulnerable. So that's just, yeah. So I think it just depends, you know, which which way you want to go with it.
0: I think what happens when, uh, when you, when you write a vampire book or a, um, a television show, the first thing people ask is what's different, you know, it's just more vampires, you know, what's the thing, what are you changing? What are you adding? What are you taking away? Um, and for me, there's some things traditionally like, that I like. I like that they can't move around during the daytime um, unless they're inside, um, that the sun can kill them. The cross thing, I was never big on the cross thing. Um, it was kind of a cool image. But, you know, to me, if you live in a, in a world that is diverse, uh, not just culturally, but with so many different religions to to say that this on, this one is the only one that somehow affects what a vampire, you know, does with this symbol. You know, what about all the other religions? You know, mm-hmm. I never wanted that to be the thing. I kind of thought of that when I was a kid. It's like, why just a cross with an un or what happens to them when they're in a the coffin? Um, their ability for their souls and their spirits to move that... Being a vampire is almost like your soul is in a prison that, you know, it can never leave um, its host until somehow it gets a stake in the heart or gets burnt or something destroys it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like the idea that the trauma that they suffered as human beings, they carry into immortality. You know, it's right. one of those things that sort of came with the, um, just dealing with trauma and dealing with therapy and just how the human mind works that it's hard to shake. Um, sometimes even if something traumatic happened to you as a kid, you may not remember that thing clearly, but the habit that you formed to kind of push the, uh, you know, push the trauma down that, you know, you don't let go. So, Mm -hmm. uh, or many people don't let go. So, you know, like I said, I just wanted to add more of those elements to it. But as far as the strict and hard vampire rules, most of them I sort of adhere to.
2: Yeah, well, you you can tell I'm kind of a rules guy, probably mm-hmm. from being being a teacher, being a coach. So
0: are my producers. My producers <laughs> are rules. That they want me to explain everything, even things that I think don't matter. I still end up having to explain. Well,
2: I, I love that you have that artistic side that it, it's, it's more about the art. <laughs> The emotion, you know, what what is, um, you know, emanates. Let's say from from the work, and then it is necessarily the hard fast rules. Because honestly, there really aren't any hard fast rules. No, not anymore. I mean, it's just it's been, just, so it, it's been yeah. changed around so much. And the only other thing I would say is in in reading this. Um, the other the cool thing that I did, I don't even think I got this from this book because I've really been diving into everything, is the practice of driving a stake into a person um, was an actual past, actual um, act that happened to people because they were so afraid of people coming back from the dead that they used long stakes to mm. actually put them all the way through the body and essentially anchor them into the ground. Um, And so that was an actual practice that happened. And of course you've got, you know, along that line is people weren't that good at science um, when they were burying folks and that they were actually burying people who were alive. And, you know, you have this saying about being saved by the bell um, if you go to any of the little ghost tours there in the Boston area that my wife and I did one time, you know the, they talk literally about the idea of having that hole that comes up through the coffin. And it's a string that comes up and is mounted onto a bell at, out the, out, on the outside of the coffin tied to the corpse's wrist so mm. that they can ring that bell to save their life if they actually wake up during that time. And, and I think that just the, these things have surprised me in, in doing just my little bit of research that I've done so far where I never really got that much into any of that side of things. Um, But now that I'm, for whatever reason, I'm delving into them. And I I think that's really cool, especially the stake through, Um, Mm -hmm. because you, you would think, all right, so it makes sense that you want to drive a stake into somebody and that maybe there's some form of soul or heart that these these monsters have and that's what I something about
0: it was wood also there was something about the properties and wood that mm-hmm. played a role in it as well
2: right um, right so, yeah. and it it's yeah it, it's it's really something but you you mentioned before um you uh you mentioned carlos and mm-hmm. i think now Carlos is he your uh assistant um he what, is what my assistant. title okay and and what sort of things does he? Now you talked about him. I guess doing some reading and research for you. Um, mm-hmm. wh- how how does you how do you interact with him? Uh,
0: we typically text each other every day um, throughout the day um, with whatever the day's work is going to be. Um, like today, I have a um, a pitch that I have to. Um, doing a couple of weeks and it's on a podcast um, that I'm trying to develop into a, um, into a series. Right. And so I I had him listen as well. And from his perspective, just tell me who the characters are, who the main characters are, what the main plot of it is. I've already listened to it. I know, but it's one experience to listen to it. It's another one to digest it and look at the words and kind of make my own notes. And then I'll take that and I'll do some pitch pages for myself as to how I'm going to present the material, how I'm going to mold it and shape it into a TV show. Um, Carlos does a good amount of that for me on different things, Um, books, different stuff, uh, different things that I'll be like, uh, and he's great at it. Um, Something that's really big and analytical, you know, just give me this part and this part and this part. That's what I need. I don't need the whole thing. And he'll sort of do little summaries and little things for me to help with that.
1: Yeah. He also emails. Yeah. Who's like me and uh, <laughs> schedules, all that stuff.
2: Uh, I appreciate that. You well, know, I vi- one more thing, Bradley, one yeah. more thing though. What, what I, this, this is ridiculous, so to speak for me to think this, but uh, I, like I worry about you, Rodney, <laughs>
0: because you, you
2: just got so much going on, man. And it, it, it makes me feel better inside that you've got, that I now know you have someone you're working with on, on yeah. all these projects. And yeah, it's it, I still... just think that would just drive so- someone just nuts to have to do as much as you do. If it was all in your head. And, it's still driving me nuts, Yeah, um,
0: but it's a slower form. I mean, I think, um, What it takes to do this, I always thought that um, it was funny, you know, when we were talking before you came on about your name being on a list of people who are your favorite writers and who are your favorite this. In order to sort of warrant being on those lists or being that person, you sort of have to be prolific over time. You know, you have to do things Mm -hmm. well over time. And I started in comics later than a lot of guys because television and film came first and is my primary source of income um so I almost feel like I'm catching up you know I'm making up for lost time by doing so many books um at a certain point you're absolutely right when I wake up and I have four editors saying where is my book you know where's my it can be very annoying um yeah. <laughs> it's like don't you care about me um and they're they they do not um don't care about me at all but um yeah, I, I try my best to um, balance it to do a lot of different things to show that, you know, um, my ability to write stories doesn't just stay in one lane. I try to be spread it out and be as diverse storytelling wise as I can and to get better at it. And the only way you get better at a thing is by continuously doing that thing and doing it well. Um, True. And so for the foreseeable future, this is what I'm going to do.
2: Yeah, yeah my, my, my last image of you is just in a chess tournament, you know, being the the prodigy that is playing against you know twenty different people all at the same time. You just move from board to board to board. You're still dialed in a hundred percent when you're on the board that you're on, but you just got to put that away and move on to the next thing. And a little bit of Queen's Gambit uh, fan there, but
1: oh,
0: Queen's Gambit, yeah, good. yeah. I mean, it's still. Um... Still a good life. If someone would have told me that at this point in life, that uh, somebody would want to um, read what I wrote, you know, be interested at all. Excuse me for my kids texting me.
2: Oh no,
1: go ahead. Whatever you need. Wanting food.
2: Um, <laughs> well, Bradley, that's my line of questioning for the moment. So it's feel like, free. Jesus, to if they would just back leave in. me alone. Sometimes this is an ice cream night, is it?
0: no it's not ice cream night it's just a basic everyday food request um (laughs) no one cared what i wanted for dinner when i was a kid no one cared at all they just made food and it was time to eat dinner and i ate dinner it was like hey what do you feel like today you know no one came (laughs) and said, you know what today i feel like that and then sometimes you know they'll disagree i feel like this i feel like that and i have to get two things you know uh, no, what they, no one and they never ask hey what do you want no one says that unless it's my birthday or father's day then they may ask but other and than and they still that, might turn it down I have to go between the two of them it's um it's incredible
1: oh, man I don't know uh, you know going back to Carlos so Carlos is awesome and I invited him to come on the episode and talk with us some Kolshak he said no he's humble so Carlos is super humble he's like no 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 I Carlos is dude.
0: afraid of me. Carlos is afraid of me um <laughs> And I think that's more than anything else because, you know, oh, sometimes I get here. surly and some it's not, I haven't said anything. I've never um, punched Carlos or pushed him down the steps, even though sometimes I want to, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> ever say that out loud. Um, <laughs> I think it's more, you know, sometimes when I'm not smiling and, you know, the for the bro, the brow furrows, then it's like, you know, I'm a different guy. So he probably wants to avoid that
2: guy. Yeah, it's the business side of things. You know, pretty, and he, you know he has no idea who
0: shack is. He has no idea.
1: Right. Well, I told him, I said, hey, Carlos, you go watch him. I like, like he do not have anything else to do. Hey, Carlos, watch some Shack. Come on. We'll talk with Shack with you and Rodney and we'll have a good old yeah. time.
0: No, that's Rodney's thing. No. That's exactly that's what he Carlos. said, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I know but, Carlos
0: uh, relatively well.
1: <laughs> oh, I figure. Yeah, I figure you would. You know, Robert, I still he have. He
0: survived longer than most. So, God bless him. He could be a vampire. <laughs>
2: It may, maybe so, you know. Well, I think he, you know, has has he made an appearance in any of your works that you've done, and and, he and was, maybe somewhere down the road, should he?
0: His name, I put Mayor uh, Mayor Gutierrez um, was him was based on him. Um, okay. When he quits, because I'm sure it's coming at some point, then I ask Jason to do a panel of me ripping his head off like my daughter ripped my head off. <laughs> book five,
1: so, yeah. I remember that, you know. And the funny thing, which that's not you, the, the mayor in Army of Darkness was Tommy Thomas. So, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, I can see yeah. the, the names there. Um, you know, Robert, I still have notes for like three years ago when we said we were going to do a vampire episode about uh, Greek vampires and all that that we never did. Yeah, um, so I don't know what
2: you just just okay, you're just letting me know that you still have those notes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, apparently there was Greek vampires. I don't even remember rotten this. He's
2: been drinking, you know. He had
1: the eggnog. I,
2: no, I had,
0: had one with had, the liquor in it.
1: Yeah, there's, there's,
2: like, there's just like a so splash he, of he eggnog and all the you know, other I stuff. I
0: killed the man once. I just, why are you telling us this? I just, oh.
2: I have this beard because I'm hiding my identity.
0: Yeah, I'm in witness protection. I'm not supposed to say anything, but my name is
1: Carl Stevens.
2: But Yes, yes, Bradley. T- please, please illuminate us. No,
1: uh, we were talking about things we knew about vampires or that we thought were uh-huh. interesting. Uh, I thought that it was interesting that the Greeks thought they would kill, that they would be killed in their sleep by them sitting on their chest and they'd eat all their groceries. Um, I don't mm.
2: know, so. Eat all their groceries?
1: Yeah, and if they knocked on your you door. and
2: adding uh, that in your um, modern interpretation? No, that's
1: the Greeks. They had vampires, the, the uh Okay. Okay
2: didn't know they talked about groceries, though. They did, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I I worded it that way. I'm I'm sure they didn't have the word for groceries in Greek. Uh, But speaking of vampires, speaking of all this, we got a preview of Blackula on Rodney Substack. And um, this is not the Blackula I remember, Rodney. Uh, No,
0: I tried to add some more dimensions. I mean, I saw Blackula when I was a kid. And even then I knew... It was a little problematic. Yes, you know, one it's you know his name is Blackula because he's black, <laughs> yeah. so we're already changing it. Um, there's already a problematic thing just in yeah. his name. Um, it's not like his name was you know Count Blackula or Count Chocula uh, for that matter. So yeah. I was like, okay, how can I add some some? How can I take some of that off and make it plausible within the story as to why? Um, As to why he would have that name um, and how that would factor into the idea of him. And I think now it's more of urban myth. It's like something that's been placed upon him, not something that he necessarily asked for or that Dracula said, you know, like in the movie, you're a Count Blackula and go off and be black and white people. Um, So I tried to... um, add some dimension to the wise and to fix the things that I thought were problematic and um, add some things that are different. There are some, there's some new elements to him that I think make him more, I wanted to bring him up to the Bram Stoker level um, of vampires and not so much just, you know, let him lean on a Afro and big lapels and yeah. uh, cool-ish name. I wanted him to have some a little more mythology. Wanted to get him get to know him in a different way. Um, so
1: yeah, yeah, and you know, going from there. Uh, speaking of Zombie Love Studios, who runs your Instagram? Do you do that yourself? Do you have somebody who does it? Uh, which parts? With what, the post, which, like, uh, there's just uh, like I like if you just scroll through the lo- Zombie Love Instagram, man. There's yeah. All kinds of like amazing posts, and then I think the other day. So, are you are you the one who posts that stuff, or somebody else? Probably.
0: I do most of it. Um, usually, when I, there's a lot of artwork, if I'm not doing anything in a moment, and you happen to see ten pictures get posted really yeah. quickly, you know what happens is I usually find stuff that I'm really interested in that um, just connects with me in some way, and I save it, and I save it, and I save it, and I save it. Then there's a point when I'm not doing anything. Or I take a break in between things when I'll just post five or ten of them. And then um, I think there's part of the publicity department um, also does some stuff as well. So, yeah.
1: Because there's like some, like, I I don't know, like I'll be checking it out. And like I'm like, oh, he's on a Blade Runner kick. Like there's like just like three Blade Runner pictures there in a row, you know. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's some great artwork, on, like a lot of of cool stuff, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, i am probably mispronounce. It. La- How do you spell that word? Is it labyrinth? Labyrinth.
0: labyrinth?
2: labyrinth. I think you said it right. Did
0: I? Yeah, I believe so too. I'm I don't know. A big fan. Most of the stuff I'm just a big, I'm a fan of fantasy art anyway. I own mm-hmm. some of it um, from the painters. That is something I used to collect until it got too expensive. And so anytime I see it, I just always wanted a site where away from me personally, I just share art.
1: Yeah, and it's like, it's not, you'd think, hey, Zombie Love Studios are going to be plugging a bunch of stuff. No, it's just like no. fun artwork, uh, like a lot of cool pics, like, and, and you'll get flooded with them. And I'm, Rodney, I'm sure you get, I'll, I'll be on my Kolshak's Loop thing that I never post on my Instagram that I really probably should post on, Pull, do what you do. I'll just be sitting there just liking your stuff, like, oh, did, Rodney's posting, he's on fire tonight. I'm sitting here just going through like, and I'm like, maybe I need Either to Either means I'm
0: bored or mad. <laughs> and so it's one or the other. So, sometimes I get bored and I procrastinate. So, that's one of the ways. Instagram is a great place to go when you're trying to procrastinate.
1: Yeah, but I'm in
2: per- personally, if I see that you've posted something, Rodney, I'm always thinking, did Bradley already say something? Did, did Bradley already like it? You know, it's only been two minutes. Where's Bradley? I, I, I thought for sure <laughs> I need he's just you sitting guys, around I getting need ready you guys. to do this.
0: You guys well, but give then- me hope. <laughs> well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> This and, was,
2: and, but you know, there's there's a thrill I have. It's like if Bradley hasn't said, "Oh, I'm in," I gotta say a little something.
0: I appreciate both of you. <laughs> I appreciate it.
2: Uh, you you said something about, um, I think you're like a story, b story, c story, and and various mm-hmm. things that you're weaving in and out of your shows. And I was recently listening to um, the the other. Colchak podcast and that's the Colchak tapes. And, um, and and you know, I'm thrilled that there's someone else out there who's done podcasting So I enjoy listening to them sometimes and and I heard them say they they felt like which one is it? it's the second to last one with Kathy Lee Crosby. They said that they they really felt like the interaction between the A story with the monster and the B story that the monster has this dating service able to you know, uh, recruit these people in, and mm-hmm. and I I and I that just struck me like, wow, okay, I like that that they're paying attention enough about these A and B stories, and mm-hmm. it's it sort of just made me I, I don't have an answer for it, but it made me think, you know, in my head like what what other ones have really good A and B stories, and I think the one that surprised me the most was the zombie episode. Um, I, I I just didn't consider it to be a story about the Chicago mafia Mm -hmm. and if if you do you any any Kolshak episodes stick out in your mind that have a a decent you know b story I think um shout out to
0: Constantine Nazareth
2: uh Devil's Platform
0: yeah with Tom Skerritt yeah yeah
2: yeah that um, yes
0: I did that one and I, I thought that you know with the under belly of him being a spoiler alert for a 40 year old television show um that you know he was involved in politics and all of that sort of lent itself to a b story-ish idea i think they were limited you know due to budget and time and the need to do monstrous type stuff uh, to fully get into the b story the way we would today but um that sort of had a B story ish mm-hmm. feel to it, or at least the the desire to be.
2: No, I hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean the the weaving in the politics with that, and you know the the idea that someone would sell their soul to the devil to be successful in politics. And I know that one kind of blew Bradley away. Oh, dude! That they yeah. even showed. Um, these satanic rituals that they were doing. And it wasn't that the the main part about a Bradley that really kind of threw you.
1: Yeah. And the whole ending I thought was pretty neat. The whole, uh, Oh yeah. You know, ceremony. And then he turned into the dog and I thought it was a good ending to the episode. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, yeah, I thought he deserved it because he didn't listen to Ripley, you know, when Ripley was telling him not to open the doors <laughs> to the ship, you know, they were- yeah. You know, just go in and he wouldn't listen. Really and because of that, about. we have six movies because he didn't <laughs> listen to Sigourney Weaver. I would have listened to Sigourney Weaver. Oh, oh I would listen. Tom Skerritt.
2: Yeah, fantastic, man. I'm will talking she, about the movie Alien, will, will she's, you know, which yeah.
0: I did throughout when I was with as well, Which, which annoyed uh, him.
2: Oh, okay. I've got to. I still. Then, then I'm making that DVD set of, a Christmas gift for myself. we so. Ray set blue yeah whatever you're
1: yellow tuddy, daddy thing you can't really blu-ray call it dvd
2: can you if it's blu-ray no, whatever you can't. it's a dvd yeah i mean no. it's still a dvd just has a different format it's
1: ready. the te- yeah,
2: it's still a dvd <laughs>
1: youngen it's i don't think the blu-ray's oh, never, okay i won't here's <laughs> but here's my here's my stack from when i went to uh pick up my rodney stack that i read through wow. today uh, i yeah i've been a little behind there's something else what else what else i got in here teenage mutant ninja turtles last Ronin, and i think the batman 89s in here I loved, I loved the 89 Batman movie. What did you think about the 89 Batman movie, Rodney? Tim Burton one? Yeah, the first um, one. Or the one. I liked
0: the first one. I really liked the second one.
1: Favorite Christmas um, movie was the second one.
0: Yeah, the second one I liked better. It wasn't as um, playful. It felt more like... Uh, the first one felt like an homage a little bit to the Adam West um, 1966 one. Um, I dug it. I thought I dug it for what it was, but Give me the uh, Christopher Nolan ones. I want them serious. Yeah. I want you know Neil Adams, man. That was my guy. So he made he made Batman more like him and Denny O'Neill made Batman more like James Bond. You know, with a with a suit on. So the costume. So I wanted the Nolan ones felt closer to me than
2: uh, the other ones. How how did you feel about Jack playing uh, the Joker in the first one?
0: My least favorite. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. What? Oh, he I played got others. It too
0: cartoony. Um, mm-hmm. And more, all, more
2: like the Adam West one.
0: Yeah. It was like that was, and again, you know, uh, I dug it, but of the three, if you give me, you know, Joaquin Phoenix and um, the other one, Heath um, Ledger. Right. Yeah. Heath Ledger's. Uh, I'm going to go with Heath first. Right. Uh Joaquin second and I'm gonna go Jack third. And that'll right. probably ruffle feathers and people will say they hate me. Uh
2: but <laughs> just just have an opinion, man, and back it what up. Well you, you know? do.
0: You're not allowed to have an opinion.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Jack. Um, I watched
1: I, that I, when I was a kid, and I, I man, when I was five, the first bad word I ever said was like "bastard." You were
0: five when you were <laughs> watching it. I was driving. I drove Cart- to the theater. Cartoony again. Yeah. Uh, very uh, very cartoony. cartoony. was well, we well, a lot of. I love blackula at five.
2: Yeah. So we we actually decorate. I was a RA at a summer program, and I hate doing themes for floors and and decorating and create you know even though i like an artistic side of things if i can but immediately the batman came out i said all right well i'm just gonna make the bat floor so i labeled everything i had a bat tv bat phone i had the bat chair bat couch and you know when we all went to go see it but no i think i was okay with the the varying i loved keaton in it and i really think he did capture a lot of the dark Mm -hmm. side and back and forth and Jack I think he could have been a little more dark but when when, just I'm a huge Prince fan Mm -hmm. and seeing Jack up there trying to mime slash dance to Prince when they're doing the parade it just ruined it for me I couldn't take it couldn't take it Yeah,
0: I I thought it was a necessary evolution from Adam West to where we are today Um, but I would have preferred
2: right no and, and he still has some hilarious lines right and i think i think he was and he was a much darker character before he became the joker and you know the, some of the lines he had there with you know you look great and said did i ask you you know mm-hmm. those, those kind of lines but where where does he get all those toys that was <laughs> my favorite those, those I, amazing I, I used
1: toys. i used to get in trouble too when i was a kid because uh well, there was a scene where Michael Keaton's eating, I guess it looks like oatmeal. So, and he just sort of would sit there and he'd ponder and I would sit there and act like I was pondering, like just let my oatmeal sit there. And my mom was like, why, why aren't you eating your oatmeal? I'm like, I'd never, I I don't know. I'd never explained that. I was like, so hmm. like Isaac, well, I don't
2: know. That's weird. As, as, as we gush over them and this, this one story here, but I, I will say the line that I always laugh at the most, and it's not really meant to be all that funny, but man, it just hit me cause I thought it was pure Michael Keaton was when he and Kim Basinger were talking about Alfred and, you know, and and she says, he's just an amazing man, isn't he? And Keaton's like, "Ah, I never could find my socks without him. You know, (laughs) just, just that right there. I was Mm -hmm. like, my God, that is Keaton in Batman. Right mm-hmm. now, because that that seemed I, I love that line. So oh, I Yeah, honestly, when I put on my socks <laughs> nearly every day, I was like, "Well, now I want to know where Alfred is. Can't find these without him." Oh, yeah, the one I always quote too him. is the uh "You, you want
1: to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts." I don't know. I was...
2: Right,
0: Carlos is my outfit.
1: Is he? Know? Does he
2: help you I'm find gonna your socks?
0: Announce, I'm going to announce that I'm actually Batman. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm Batman. Hey, you know
1: we're going to move on to something uh that something else I enjoyed as a kid. Me and Rodney talked offhand about, it, and I don't think we ever brought it back up. And I told you I talked to you about this. Probably the furthest thing from Kolshak, um is wrestling. So and yes, the, man. So you were you did heels, and heels was amazing. You did one of the best episodes. I love the finale too. Don't get me wrong, but. Your episode is great and and I didn't even realize it was one of those things where I usually skip the credits, so I thought, man, this is really good. And then later I realized that you wrote that episode. I was like, What the hell? It's like, Rodney, I didn't even realize I skipped the credits, so I didn't even realize for a while for episodes. I think until after maybe the finale, right before the finale that you even did were on it, because I always skip the credits. Probably shouldn't do that. Um It's all good. But what man, what so how does that happen? How did you get on heels?
0: Uh, They hired me, Um, but I think the big thing was that um, I don't know who my agent at the time knew that uh, I was interested in wrestling because I had wrestled for a little while um, and had some working understanding of how the business of it worked. And, um, you know, it's not as I'm not as connected to it as I used to be when I was younger,
1: but still near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Tell us about your working days. I mean, you're a six, seven. I'm sure. Yeah.
0: I went down to, um, to put it into context. I realized that I wasn't good enough to be a professional basketball player. And this was a period of time where between high school and college, I was figuring out what I'm going to do with my life. I am not going to be a basketball player, not going to be a football player. Um, okay, I'm running out of things to do with this body uh, other than lift boxes. I really don't want lift boxes if I can avoid it. And one day it connected, you know, I like wrestling, um, have Mid-South, NWA, that thing, I'm that guy. So um, I saw that the WCW power plant at the time was uh, bringing guys in for a tryout. And I went down there and uh, paid my $525 or whatever it was. And for like a day and a half or so, they just beat the shit out of me. Um, They just beat me up. And I think it was Pistol Pez Watley, The Sarge, uh, Hardbody Harrison, and I forget the last guy. Pistol, I, I don't remember who the last guy was, but... They just beat me up, like really They just abuse me and enjoyed it and made fun of me as they were abusing me, which adds a little bit to the abuse. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that was basically it. I hung around for a minute. Then after a while, I'm like, you know, what? I don't love this as much as um, the suffering that I'm enduring. Um, I didn't think it would be as intense. They were right because they asked me that question. And I was like, absolutely. I didn't think it would be like this. Um, So, yeah, it was relatively benign.
1: Yeah, which nowadays I think it's more uh, than it's sort of like, hey, we got to break people into the business. we got to break them and basically make them into what we want to make them into, I guess. I think
0: it's a little different now than it was back then. I think, um, you know, back then – you had a different world you were operating in where it was that attitude. I think now with so many different, the NXT development uh, center and what Tony Khan is doing with um, AEW, I think it's a little more civilized now um, than what it was back then. Um, But, you know, it was still another story, another thing that I could tell and um, another experience that I had. So, Yeah.
1: Were you able? Did you ever go on set for Heels and or was it just pretty much
0: remote? No, I just uh, worked on the scripts first and we got all the scripts done. And then uh, Heels was an interesting journey because um, at first they passed on it. And then somewhere over like a year or so later, um, I saw it and read in the trays that they had picked it up. I had nothing to do with the actual production of it, just the scripts themselves uh, when we had a writer's room and all of that.
1: One day you get a call, and it's like, hey, Rodney, it's Vince McMahon. Come right for WWE. What are you saying?
0: I say thank you for the opportunity, sir. Big fan of yours, but I have to decline.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. who You know, I found out the other day that um, Freddie Prinz Jr. does a lot. Yeah, he did. uh, I
1: don't know if he he does now. Well,
2: I was was watching an old video that his wife, who played Buffy, um, did, and they were asking her about that. And I had no idea that he was back, you know, backstage, so to speak, and developing storylines, mm-hmm. um, doing that with them. And, and, and Bradley, I have said multiple times on here how intelligent you are, and I do not, um, you know, ever want to put you down or anything. For those folks who may have heard Bradley's pronunciation of heels, um, <laughs> he says it more like hills. It took me a while. Uh, before I got, <laughs> oh, he's talking about the wrestling stuff. So yes, it's H E E L heels.
1: Well, well, I'm actually trying to blend. If you if you listen to Stephen A. male on it, he it it's, takes place in Georgia, so you got to fit in with the vernacular.
2: True. It probably with does heels. sound that way. It probably uh, does. Yeah, but uh, um, I, I was just going to say that I, uh, you know, it, being here in Louisville, they had their training area here, and so I have been various places where I've bumped into some of the professional wrestlers that you would see on TV. And I will tell you that, you know, I'm not short. I'm I'm six one, and and most of my life I'm usually one of the taller guys in the room, until I you know went to college and hung around with basketball players and those kind of things. But I stood behind the big show uh, one time at the movie theater and and got the full idea of what someone over seven feet tall looks like. That was amazing. I mean, it yeah. just. I just I just I just keep staring at him. Like Yeah, he was a former boy. basketball
0: player. Uh was he played he? basketball and I believe The Undertaker played basketball too. And makes Kevin sense. Nash played basketball. But yeah.
2: Completely makes sense. Cool.
1: Yeah. But and uh it seems like now the wrestlers skew a little bit more athletic and more I and mean, they're still tall wrestlers, but it seems like they skew yeah. more on the uh They shorter seem side. more like
0: stunt now. It's a different game. Yeah. Um you know, before when you had the Attitude Era where you had, you know, you could have a Mick Foley, a Stone Cold, a Rock and, you know, Rob Van Dam or whoever, but you had completely different styles yeah. of wrestlers. So that was like, it sort of made them like action heroes in a weird kind of way. Um, now it feels like everybody's sort of the same to me. It doesn't feel as... Um, Dynamic? Individual personalities don't come out to me the same way. Now it feels like they're acting, whereas before, you know, when I watch a lot of the documentaries and Dark Side of the Ring and all of that stuff and when you hear um, like Stone Cold talk about how he learned to be who he was when he left WCW and he went to ECW and started doing those promos and he sort of developed who he was uh, the him of it all. So he knew, it's sort of like when you tell a story, when I say I tell a story and I find myself in the story, I'm able to find whatever emotional moments that are in a Philadelphia issue, it's because I really feel that moment. It's like, I really, I'm doing my best to convey to you, the reader, what I feel as, uh, as the person of Rodney. And I think, you know, when you hear, when I hear the Stone Colds and the rocks and the different people say that their characters eventually evolved into who they are as people, I think you become so comfortable with that character that you're actually able to take them up a couple notches higher than whatever a writer could do um, with a script. And I think that's the difference now. It seems like everything feels so scripted, whereas Mm. before it felt like- you were really getting uh, the stone Colds or the Ric Flair's or whoever it was that there was an aspect of their personality coming through as well as the gimmick or the character that they were playing. And um, now it just feels so clean
1: that. Um, choreographed. It, yeah.
0: Yeah. It feels like a show. It feels like you're going to a Cirque du Soleil show. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before it was so unpredictable. You never knew what was going to happen, uh, whether it was, when I would go and see the NWA in the Baltimore Civic Center um, when I was younger and, you know, I I believed it. I thought it was real. And, <laughs> you know, because they would bleed and they would fight and it would be so violent. And, you know, you couldn't tell me the road warriors weren't real. They're the road warriors.
2: Dude, and, the road warriors when they came yeah, out. Oh, my God. It's gosh. like
0: when they would come out and it was like havoc and, you know, they just come through the crowd or whatever. Uh, There was no better thing in the world. And then later with the attitude there, you know, once they got past the Doink the Clowns and they had a period in the WWF when um, it was sort of for kids. Yeah, 94, 95. Yeah, then it became a thing of where chair shots were real and they took these big bumps and they were a little more risque with how they told their stories. Um, You know, like I said, you never knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And now I watch it and it just feels, it doesn't have that same, for me, but I'm an older guy who's seen a lot of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, So 100%.
1: And you know. I don't know what this says about me, but I think when I was like 9 or 10, when I first started like reading, reading, and getting into reading, I'd always read every day on the bus. The three books I remember reading like vividly, uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Mick Foley's Have a Nice Day, his first book that he wrote. I, I was like 10. Probably, I don't know what that says about me personally, but uh, that was one of the first books I read. But yeah.
0: It says you're a young man with a lot of time ahead of you. And <laughs> I'm jealous. I wish I could just steal your youth. But
1: continue. Yeah, um, but you know, yeah, like the Rock and those unprotected headshots on Mick Foley at the in that I quit yeah, match. Beyond that the Met, yeah, the Beyond oh. the Mat uh, documentary when
0: they showed all the chair shots. Oh, I was
1: so mad when. Yeah, I was so mad when I was a kid because I went to Blockbuster and I rented that thinking it was like a regular thing. I said, "What the hell is this?" Like I was five. Like I'm not watching this. But now I rewatch you had it.
0: Had a lot of freedom as a five year old. <laughs>
1: Oh, did. Lot of free um,
0: a lot of did. I, I, think was I ar- drove. I was cold. gonna say he's driving, oh, right? I was five years old, I, I, <laughs> No, I, I didn't. You know, I took my keys. I took the keys no, to the car, I, and I drove down to Blockbuster. I was five years old. I had,
2: to, yeah, I had to fake you know being a little older, so I just rolled up my cigs in my shirt. <laughs> yeah, and there no, I was.
0: Like, wow, they saw the tattoo and they just let it go.
2: No, but hey, you
1: know one thing though I, I have been, I got out of wrestling for a while and I got back in with like independent wrestling I love like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and all that Like the AEW's really captured me recently and the whole, they had like a four year storyline that they just told where they had like Adam, Adam Hangman Page four or five years where he like was joined with them and it's sort of been like a five year story and it's the payoff when he finally beats Kenny Omega for the belt this past Saturday was like, damn, you know I don't know, and maybe that's just because I've been involved with it that maybe I have the rose-tinted glasses. Uh, I know
0: very little of that which you speak. Um, all I know is, is CM Punk is there now. Yeah, he is. Brian Danielson, and, um, you know, uh, that's all I know. I know Jericho's there, and I, every I tape it. This is the odd part of me. It's just like comics on a Wednesday. I tape Raw. I tape AEW show. I don't even remember the name of it. I haven't watched them yet, but I taped them. That's it.
1: Hey, that's that's fair. I would recommend Raw is can be a slog recently. They've, I think they've let go of like seventy five people over the just this. Yeah, year. Yeah, I
0: saw John Morrison and, and I mean, some other people that they have let Keith Lee go. I was surprised, dude. Keith one. Lee,
1: I saw his first match it's in NXT. Baron. But when oh, they man.
0: named him Bearcat, I knew his time, yeah, he was ticking. Sam was running out of the hourglass. So you know, when you talk you get the Bearcat name.
1: Oh cool. yeah. You talk about Cirque du Soleil, but, like, I remember I went for a – it was a house show. It was Keith Lee and one of his first match versus, like, Dijakovic or whatever his name is. And they – Keith Lee nailed, like, two moonsaults, like, tried a shooting star press. He is a phenomenal athlete. and So, Robert, just to picture it, he's a bigger – He's like Rodney, maybe a little shorter, but he's like got a he's got a hefty build to him, and he just like nails these insane moves, man. Mm-hmm. Keith Lee is like an, a top level athlete. I don't know what.
0: Well, he'll be doing it on Impact or AEW or something or wherever they'll name him. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, Paul.
2: yeah, that's Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. Those those guys are just huge stuntmen, and and they can take a beating. And they they love dish a while. They, they love then yeah
0: then they tell you stories about yeah. the hip replacements and the knee replacements
2: yeah. and all well i I actually trained again because of being there and loyal um <clears throat> and having my strength coach background I trained someone who was in their school and he had made the comments about how he was allowed to get in it at six two and only 185. Um, mm-hmm. Because they were just trying to move away from sort of the steroid fed look um, of, of the people and trying to, you know, clean it up, so to speak. But no, I was going to say that um, I don't, I still don't have the print version of the um, Night Stalker. And all I have is an audio version that I got from Moonstone. And I've been re-listening to that. And there's a, a line that he uses that's it seems to me to be a, a reference to wrestling, and he talks about the Gold Dust Twins. Now I think isn't there a Gold Dust um, uh, casino in Vegas? I don't even know. I've never been to Vegas, so that I know there's be... a Gold
0: Rush. Um, I don't know if there's a Gold
2: Dust. Yeah. Well, and the, so the thing that I remember is that Dusty Rhodes. Um, you know, who was a professional wrestler. wrestler, yeah. And then, of course, his son. Son
0: of a plumber. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. His son wrestled. And then yes, his son Dustin eventually Runnels. was named what, Rodney? Which gold one? dust. Well,
0: gold dust. There's gold yeah. dust. Dustin Runnels is gold dust.
2: Correct. 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 So it almost made me wonder. Then there's
0: like, Cody, who's a vice president or something. AEW.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered if maybe that Jeff Rice actually put wrestlers in. That and there was some sort of connection, or if Dusty, even back in his day, had some sort of gold dust, um, you know, moniker. Well, gold dust used, came 20.
1: Well, gold dust, but, the wrestler came yeah, 20 years w- after, 25 years. Well, that's after. Yeah. what
2: I'm trying. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. And he was the son of, you know, yeah, because it was because of. Dusty no, I Rose, see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Anywho, yeah, we got about Anywho.
1: so we, we don't want to keep you too much longer. How about 10 more minutes, Rodney? Does that sound good? Sure. Well, and we'll, uh, is there, anywhere, is there anything we haven't talked a lot of Kolchak? Have we? We need to. We
2: what? we usually never do, Bradley.
1: That's my fault.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> it pretty good. much is. But uh, no, these these are great conversations. I mean, I, I love having those things. And it's man, it's just it's it's difficult to pull so much out of a one season show, two movie, you know, two TV movies, one season. You almost have to go to sometimes the other shows, and um, so that's sort of a you know it's it's the the reboot was pretty much universally panned um rodney i would assume you watched the one with uh townsend and uh the the reboot that they did that um you know didn't didn't do so well did you find like i i saw probably the first four episodes of that
0: i watched the whole thing
2: yeah well i'm gonna eventually see it and what did you think overall about it I
0: thought that I was disappointed because they tried to make it serious and scary. Um, yeah. There is a tone and tenor to Kolchak that is unique. Um, it's not comedy per se. It's the approach that I think Kolchak takes to his work um, and to the world around him. That is not acknowledging that, which he sees. And when you make it spooky and you make him like um, purely a paranormal investigator, um, you don't really need him because it's really, really hard to take that character who's just an investigator and make that character bigger than um, the monster that he's investigating. And I think the brilliance of the X-Files is that you see a little bit with Mulder. Mulder had sort of a a odd quirky sense of humor and in their partnership between Scully and Mulder, they had a sense of humor. And it was almost like, we know we're going to see some really scary stuff. We know we're going to see some really, um, we're going to see the worst in human beings, almost like um, homicide detectives in a way that in a lot of movies, You know, even when Clint Eastwood was uh, Inspector Callahan, he had a joke. He had some type of wit. He had some way of dealing with the world that was different than everybody else was in the world. But when you take that away from the character and you make the character just someone who we're going to find out where their vampire is and that's it, and they seriously go about doing that, and you make everything around it dark, um, to me, you're taking away the... So the thing that's unique about Kolshak and Darren McGavin and his ability to come in and always sort of be um, tongue in cheek until he's in the basement with the vampire or he's trying to do a thing. Then you see him be scared. But mm-hmm. up until that point, he sort of walked this line between the hypocrisy of the system, you know, the cops not recognizing um. What the what this really is, or the newspaper not wanting to tell the story, um, you know, whatever. The system isn't working for truth, and he is, mm-hmm. and he has to do it in the way that he's doing it because no one else is. Everybody's going to think he's crazy anyway, so why not approach it with um, a wink and a smile? And again, you know, there's the way that you tell that story where it's just about the jokes. And then there's a way that you tell that story where it's super, super serious, but I don't think either of those two work. Um, I think there's a middle ground that takes a really a unique eye um, and a unique tone and someone who really understands the character. That's why I thought Richard Matheson to me captured him best because um, he really got both of it. It's like, it was really scary, but it was really fun, Um, but he took it seriously. You know, he took it seriously in a very unique way. And Matheson will always be my best. Those movies of the week, to me, were oh, yeah. the best version of uh, Shack for me. For sure.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. and you know yeah, one thing sure. I didn't realize talking about X-Files a little bit? I saw a 10-minute compilation of uh, Mulder making porn references. I never... Yeah. I never caught that until like I just saw that video like maybe a month or so ago. I'm like, how did I just miss like so many? Because I've rewatched the series multiple times and I've noticed them, but I never thought he really did make so many porn references.
0: Well, there were there was uh, Darren Morgan, one of the writer producers on the show, who wrote somehow Satan got behind me for a Millennium, and the one with um, Peter. Uh, forget his name. Um, it was an X Files episode where he could see the future. He could only see when you were going to die. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was season three. Um, makes me really, really angry that I can't remember this. Oh, I'm bad at names of the end episodes. Of the year. But, um, <laughs> but those two episodes and uh, War of the Corpses. I know I'm saying that wrong. But he wrote episodes that were sort of tongue in cheek and fun. But they always had something of weight that were under them. Um, and that's what I dug about. Those were my favorite episodes of The X Files as well. And to me, they took directly from the tone of Coleshack.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: Makes sense. Did um, sort of Coleshack esque and, and Buffy esque. Um, did you see uh, Black as the Night yet, Rodney? I have not. Uh, that uh, the um, Ed Gross, I think he's the the person who helped publish um, one of DeWitzyak's books. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ed Ed is someone who Mark DeWidziak has had worked with, and I'm almost positive he's the person who published uh, Mark's uh, Night Stalking books. And he, anyway, um, interviewed some of the cast from that show and the writers uh, called Blackest Night. And you essentially have...
0: Live um, Bruckman's Final Repose. Okay. I'm sorry. You me. find oh. it. I found it. That was the name of the episode. There you go. That's good. I, to, I would have gone crazy. My head would have... Been oh, oh, I, I was completely. trying to look it up for you, right.
2: but I didn't I didn't yeah. have enough time. I wasn't that good. So, it's all right. Yes. No, but, but anyway, um, it's set in Louisiana. Um, Keith David is in it, um, mm-hmm. which was great to see him in that. And, Not David
0: Keith, but Keith
2: David. Correct, yeah. correct. The, okay. the, the, yeah, and uh, but you know you have uh, a different way that they tell the story, and it is set in, I guess one one part of it, it, it potentially is like housing projects, um, um, and then it's like some people live there, some people don't, and the interaction with the sixteen-year-old female and finding. Um, vampires and, and what's happening in her neighborhood. And it's very inclusive to this African-American uh, Louisiana um, experience. And it, it made me think a lot about you and Philadelphia um, in the sense that they do have a couple scenes where they sort of lay out this um, rationalization for why the vampires are there and, right. and what they're doing. And, uh, so I, I, think it's, and, and it's, 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 I'm pretty sure it's a bloom house. I think it's, a, it's a quick, you know, um, mm-hmm. really, you know, very few scenes are, um, unnecessary move moves pretty quickly, but I thought it was really good. I I'd, I'd recommend it out there. We'll and check it out. yeah, it's, um, it's definitely good. And, and the, the coolest thing as being a Buffy fan, um, she makes references to Buffy as, mm. as the show's going on. And that's sort of what Buffy would do with Whedon's writing is there was so much pop culture that was happening at the time that he would have that character spout off. Um, so I, I, I'd, I'd recommend that as a, as a fun one. And it, it still, it had that, that good mixture of, um, uh, heart and death and loss and, but mixed in with a lot of comedy, um, and mixed in with the horror, um, Pretty pretty good one out there. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. You know, and and Col,
1: you know, we're about to wrap up. Uh, speaking of Kolchak, though, the X Files. One thing I enjoyed, one episode I remember out of him was the season one episode with the invisible alien. I think that was one time too that I thought that the X Files took something that Colchek did that I don't think they did as well. The Kolchak mm-hmm. didn't do as well, and really made it really good. I don't mm-hmm. know, and I'm sure there's yeah. more out there. That was one of the I wanted to get to that in, one, in our Halloween episode, but we that thing went off the rails a little bit, uh, okay. which, which is all good. Um, yeah. but Rodney, uh, is there anything you want to plug before you? Head out. We've plugged your Substack. Uh, oh
0: my goodness. The same old, same old, um, what am I doing? Uh, Hawes nightmare blog issue two should be around sooner rather than later. Philadelphia volume three should be on sale soon. Um, I'm looking at my board. Um, Zombie Love books, still assembling them because we're selling the whole trade. Not oh, so yeah, yeah. Just single floppies. So it takes a little bit longer, but we're into all of them Blackula, Crownsville, Florence, and Normandy.
1: You know, so it's all moving along. Yeah, making wrestling references. I know Mr. Uh, Rob Van Dam used to be Mr. Monday Night. You're Mr. Wednesday because you can find Rodney every Wednesday. He's got something out there on the shelves. Yeah, there's Rodney. Yeah, there you go. There What's you your go. middle name? Rodney. Oh, or-
0: it's close enough. I don't, yeah, if once I get my middle name, then oh, we, I, I like holding over people's What's uh, your
1: first letter of your middle name? How about that? P. R P B. Hey, that there, there we go. go. rpd like Yeah. It's
0: the only reason I gave it to you. Because See. it sounds, you know. It's if it would have sounded bad if it had been like it'd
1: have been like X, you'd no, we ain't doing that.
2: But hey we did say that name in our first time with Rodney. Because I, I remember from Boondocks when we talked about uh, we the did. character who said that um, Ronald Reagan uh, was had, had, had six letters. And had, that yeah. was when I, I, I did my research on it. I was like, oh, my God, Rodney's got six letters. We can't, we can't repeat it,
1: too. though, now. We can't repeat it. We've done past Well, well that. I'm not going
2: to go there. It's all good. You but ain't
1: going to call him. Six letters
0: in the middle. Six, six, six for me, too. So oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: You Hey, there you... Is there something you wanted uh, – I know Rodney uh, – uh, Robert's got a nickname for you. He says that when you're not around, though, that we can't repeat.
2: Well, the T-Dog thing. Why, why, why are you <laughs> always throwing me under the bus? I'm it's just all right. kidding. He, it's <laughs> all right. It's too late. Actually, to I don't. Eaten. I respect you too much even to use it.
0: As well. Thank you. Yeah. I'll never come well, back again. Well, Rodney, and thanks for it's – no, it's no need to go down that rabbit
1: hole. Thanks Sorry. for coming on, man. I still got a, you know. a box of stuff I have to send you. I might throw in one of these Dracula cards. I don't know when – You said you didn't have stuff in your office, so I thought about getting you – Send yeah, that. it
0: was pretty bare. It's getting better. It's send, getting better. So I'll send, one day I'll do a panoramic view. And you can see it all.
1: Yeah. I, so I'll send you some. I'll send you some stuff in a box. I think I got some candy and stuff. I'll send you because I asked Carlos. Said, "Hey, what does what he like?" He said, "Well, I asked him. He said anything." So uh,
0: that's Carlos. That's the detail you get from Carlos. That's the <laughs> intricate detail of the knowledge. When Carlos is doing my eulogy, yeah, he, he wrote a lot. Thank you all for coming. You know, that'll be, that'll
1: be crazy. <laughs> I'll send you one of those, those peanut butter pies that are selling for like $7,000 or whatever now. There you go. Anyway, you go. hey, Rodney, thanks, man, for coming on. Uh, I'll let you go get some food. You're welcome,
0: food. guys. We'll talk again soon.
1: I'm sure. Oh, Col- Cole Shack, thanks, story you, coming. Take care, buddy. We'll see you, man. Right.
0: Take it easy.